Anything that was unclear or data points? Something that went pretty fast. So. What will be yeah. uh, public schools' role? Public schools' role in border issues? Well, in some states, in California, they passed a law in the 1990s where public school teachers were going to be required to check the identification of their students. Right? In Arizona, they proposed similar laws, but they thankfully were vetoed at the governor's office. So. Uh, hopefully you won't, it won't come to that when teachers are, are checking immigration status. But I think, you know, they're, they're the future voters. They're the future employees. They're the future, just like we mentioned, they're the leaders. They're the law enforcement. They're the businesses. Most importantly, they'll be the voters. So the most important thing is to educate them and give them an idea of the complex issues that are out on the border today. Right? Nothing's black and white. There's, you know, there's winners and losers in the game. And, and most of the winners are on our side, and most of the losers are on the other side. Any other questions? Yeah, Kelly. I mean, just imagine if we opened our borders like they did in Europe. Mm -hmm. what, 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 do, you, do you think there would be this, this flood of, of, of new immigration, or do you think as many North people from the North would go South, people from the South come North? I mean, it's hard to, hard to talk hypotheticals, but <clears throat> I think JC pointed out that with the, with the recession here in the states and the housing industry specifically in the Southwest, you've seen the numbers of migrants go down. So I think a lot of it's just tied to our, our economy, right? And the, the basic fact is that in studies, they've shown that 70% of, of migrants that come through have jobs lined up for them when they get here, right? So the demand is here and the supply is there. So as long as the demand is there, the supply is going to meet it. And I think that, you know, I don't think that the supply would, would overwhelm the demand, because if it did, it wouldn't, wouldn't help anybody, right? And I think the fact is that most Mexicans love their country and love their culture and would prefer to stay there if they could, right? Just like we would here if we could. Most people you know, don't want to leave their hometowns or their, their, the places where they grew up if they don't have to. It's a sort of economic necessity that pushes them out. I mean, couldn't it be like it's been in, in the European Union where countries with lower economies were brought up? by having a, a union, by having a stronger, I mean, I don't know, I know, I know, with the web, but that's why. No, it's an interesting question. But even though there was economic disparity, I don't think there, even with, you know, Romania and, and the countries bordering it, it's still not a four to one GDP ratio, right? The economic disparity is much higher along, along the border with our two countries than, than most of the year. Although now, some of the newer members that are coming in are much poorer into the European Union and does have an effect. But I mean, the incentives just aren't there from our side to bring to bring up the other side. I mean, if we really wanted to deal with the issue, we'd, do, we'd deal with it through economic development in Mexico, right? Create the jobs in Mexico to keep the people there. That would be the best best way to, to solve the problem. But then, then there aren't people that are winning on this side, right? And, and foreign aid is a dirty word. Whereas I have one more that's dear to my heart as a, as a gardener and a veggie lover, but um, I know that like in Africa, there's a, a big concern because international groups are coming in and literally buying up the farmland. I know it's happening in Brazil and it's happening in a number of countries of Africa. Is Mexico protecting its farmland? Um, yeah, I mean, well, since the revolution, Mexico has very strict ownership laws right. in terms of land, right? And so until recently, they've, they've lacked, lacked them recently to think, encourage investment, but for the most part, foreigners haven't been able to own land in Mexico, and so they've been protected. Even though they broke up the Ejido system under Salinas and all that, 
Well, so the ajitos were communal lands, but they, but they were allowed to sell them, but not to, not to foreign interests. So you see, you saw you know land holdings go up by private owners in Mexico after the ajito system was sort of in certain areas crumbled, especially in the north, but less in the south. But there's still a lot of restrictions in foreign ownership in Mexico, and so that, especially in, in in coastal areas. But but at the same time, you know, you see a lot of. Uh, American retirees going down to Mexico. San Miguel de Allende, farther down. You know, English is spoken on the streets as much as Spanish. Alamos and Sonora, right? A huge number of, of Americans, and a lot of, more Canadians even, but, but a lot of Americans that go down to retire, right? Cost of living is a lot cheaper. You know, quality of life is, is high, right? And then as technology and other things bring us closer, it's easier for people to live down there than ever, right? And, and save money. Yeah? Question about. I don't know if you've come across any data from, say, the Great Depression, or probably not even from you know this recession that we've been in. But of course, we had all kinds of anti-Mexican scapegoating going on during the Great Depression, right? And forced deportations of a million or more, you know, people. And then, uh, you know, SB 1070, you know, scares people out of Arizona, right? When the state, you know, is heading into this terrible recession, suddenly they scare, you know, what? half a million, a million people out of Arizona, right? Which means all kinds of apartment buildings are not empty, not paying rents, not paying taxes, all those people are gone. Have you seen any data and statistics on either the Great Depression or you know, the, the effect of scapegoating and chasing people out of the country? No, I don't have too many hard numbers on that, but I think it's, it's, it's an effect. The phenomenon is definitely happening on the ground. And I think, you know, we didn't talk about too much, but when people come and work here, they're, they're often paying taxes, they're often, you know, whether it's identity theft or borrowing a social security number, they're paying into the social security system when they do that. They're paying into a system they're not going to get back from, right? They're paying into tax bases and, and, and not necessarily income tax, but sales tax and other places, and, and for the most part, they don't collect the benefits. There's, there's a, a researcher here at the University of Arizona, Judy Gans, who's, who's shown that econo the economic impacts of migrants, right? And she's shown that it, it's a net gain for the U.S. in terms of you know, costs. So people try to say that, it's, that migrants cost the system more money, but they actually, in a lot of ways, put more in than they take out. Yeah? I read that report, but the fact is it doesn't take a lot of things into consideration. It certainly doesn't take into consideration all of the medical issues that have been going on across this country, especially in the emergency room. So that's, that, there's another look being taken at that same issue. It is, but it also leaves out other issues, too, in terms of extractive capital and labor, right? And, and the fact is, in our country, we produce, you know, to, to, great, to get a child to productive labor age is a lot, costs a lot of money in terms of safety, education, and security, right? To get them <clears throat> to where they can work legally and productively. So every American citizen, there's a huge input of capital to create that labor. When we take it from Mexico, we paid nothing for that labor, right? They were, they were raised in Mexico, they were educated in Mexico, fed in Mexico, healthcare in Mexico, the inputs were on that side. So, and that's almost impossible to quantify. So you put that in the equation and, and the extractive capital based on labor alone is, is huge and far outweighs any of the, the costs of education or healthcare. So why aren't the conservatives, well, that was question. Being honest about it. Why aren't they just being honest about that? You know, the conservative, everyone. Everyone Why loves cheap labor. Why are we just being honest about that? Get to the point. You know, what we want. Well, it's not just cheap. They do it. Mm -hmm. Where America workers, we do it. Mm -hmm. We all like to eat. 
Yeah, no, we, we, we like the cost of our food and the cost of our of our houses and the cost of our, our manual labor, right? So it's hard it's hard to give up. And so, yeah, again, the economic incentives just aren't there. All right. Thanks.